host, Stephen, and you are listening to the Learn Swift podcast, where beginners to the Swift language share their background, experiences, lessons learned, and ambitions. On today's episode, I interview Rob Royce. Rob is a full-time computer science student that works full-time who aspires to be a professional iOS developer. Hey, Rob. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Uh, how about yourself? What are you up to today? Uh, actually, I just got out of school. Okay. Uh, what what classes are uh, you taking today, right now? Uh, well, total, I'm taking two classes. Today, I was in calculus class, um, Calc 1. I need three more calculus classes to go. Uh, oh, no, two more. And I'm also taking a computer systems class. Okay. Uh, what were you at tonight? Calculus? Yeah, calculus. Okay. Um, I, I don't really have a whole lot of experience with, I guess, that part of math, though, that um, direction of math. I went down the mm-hmm. statistics route. Um, uh-huh. Didn't, never really mess with calculus. Um, so you're majoring in computer science, correct? Yep. So how how long are you, how far along are you in your degree plan? Uh, so I, I plan on transferring. I'm I'm hoping to go to UCLA. That would be ideal. Um, but uh, you know, any of the the University of California schools would probably be just as great. Uh, and so in order to transfer, I need about two years worth of classes, and I'm I'm almost done. I I need about sorry, actually I need about three years of classes. I'm almost done. I'm I'm about two years in, so I need about another year. Uh, before I apply, and then um, from there it'll be you know maybe six months until I get some kind of acceptance letter, hopefully, and then uh, I'll be transferring uh, fall of 2019, so around the same time, um, in in about two years. Okay. Did you go? Did you go to college straight out of high school? Or are you still? Or is that is that the path you've taken, or did you dabble in between high school and college? Yeah. You know what? I I totally screwed up on high school. I, I dropped out when I was 16 years old, um, just due to circumstance uh, with the family and stuff like that. Uh, we moved around a bit. I changed many, many schools, so it, it never really stuck with me. Um, I never really saw it through to completion until, actually, I, I went back for my high school diploma a few years ago. I'm 28 now, so that was, I, I graduated from high school, actually, at, at 26. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I I wanted to forego the GED just because I wasn't too many credits shy of getting the diploma, and to me that kind of seemed like it would mean more, even though it probably doesn't. Um, and well, so, go ahead. well, you know, I know I don't know how it is for I know junior colleges you can get in with the GED. I don't know what it's like for a four-year university right off the bat. Um, surprisingly. Um, I was in the Marine Corps, and whenever you enlist in the Marine Corps, they they actually only let a handful of GED um, people come in. So if oh, really? yeah, if if they've met their quota, and and this was during the uh, the the troop increase that they were doing uh, in two thousand seven. Oh yeah. So around around then, if you had a GED, you might have gotten in. Uh, now probably not. Surprisingly, because you know in the movies they say, "Oh, it's either go to jail or join the Marines." <laughs> right. uh, it's re- it's really not like that. You don't re- they don't really cut a whole lot of slack like that anymore. Wow. Yeah. Why do you suppose that is? I, I, I m- maybe to seem more professional, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Not not like the French Foreign Legion, I guess. You know, because that's uh, a <laughs> yeah. that's that's known Just for people. Just let anyone as, in. Yeah, as long as they're willing to give up their their identity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what what uh, gave you the push to go back to school? Um, well, I, I guess I've always been kind of inquisitive in nature, and, and I you know I I enjoy the intellectual pursuit of school. Um, I dropped out again because of circumstance, but I I always kind of had it nagging at me in the back of my head, like you really shouldn't have done that, you know, <laughs> or, or um, I guess some regret to it. So. I always felt like I wanted to go back, I guess, just when timing was right. Um, unfortunately, timing didn't become right until, you know, mid-20s. Uh, I ended up in a job uh, working IT, but I've actually been at the same job for about 10 years now. And, uh, you know, that kind of delayed it even further because I, was, I started making good money and I, I started really questioning whether or not I really needed it. And uh, so that, that kind of delayed the whole 
process uh, quite a bit. And I think it was about five years in at my current job where I, I kind of hit a, a glass ceiling uh, in terms of pay, but also in terms of, um, of experience and, and gaining new knowledge. Um, it was at that time where, you know, I, I, I just just made the choice. I, I guess it just kind of one day I woke up and said, you know what, I want to go back to school. And I, I followed through. That's awesome. So, so are you, are you still, you're, you're still working there right now and going to school? Yeah. So working full time, school full time, um, okay. trying to be a, an iOS developer full time as well. Right. None of that yeah. really worked out completely, but yeah, I've, I've been there. Um, I was working for, I went to school online though. I didn't, I didn't go to a oh. physical campus. So that was, that made it a bit easier. Um, yeah. the, I, I, I presume that you're going to a physical campus. Yeah, so I'm I'm going to one of the uh, community colleges here in uh, in Los Angeles, and most of it's um, in person. Some of it is online, so we do have a few online classes, um, but the majority of it is in person. Okay, well that's yeah. cool. I I don't I mean I think online education is relatively um, legitimized nowadays. Anyway, I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, um, so so you're going to school full time. You're working full time, and you're also trying to become an iOS developer at the same time. And I'm, I'm, I'm very certain that you're not learning iOS development as part of your studies. So no, <laughs> how, how are you, how are you balancing that, that, uh, that time? Uh, you know what? I, I, I guess it's kind of a long story, but I made the, the decision pretty much, um, at the beginning of this past summer. Uh, so just a few months ago to, to try and learn Swift, try and learn iOS and, uh, and really dive into it. And I spent the entire summer, uh, that was my main focus. Uh, I didn't, I didn't do what I said I would do, which is review um, pre-calculus and trigonometry and try and get ready <laughs> for this this calculus class. Uh, that was my goal, and of course that just got pushed to the side once I I started really diving into it and I got my first apps and I I followed my first tutorials and I was hooked like right away. Um, so that that kind of took me into that. Right now I'm not really balancing it very well at all. Um, mostly due to the challenges of school and, and the demand. Uh, it's quite a bit of study. It's pretty much nonstop. The last weekend I actually spent at least 16 hours just doing pure calculus problems. It was terrible. Mm. Yeah. How, how, how is that coming for you? Because I, I've never been very strong at, ma at math. I was early on um, up to Algebra 1 in high school. Mm. I was I did good with after that uh, like when I started getting to geometry and whatnot that's when I my uh, my ability to comprehend complex mathematics and <laughs> complex yeah. being being high school mathematics um, kind of started to taper off and my grades started to really suffer even though I was trying and then I kind of started to lose interest in math how was calculus coming for you um, you know what it, it really helps that I have met a, a few great people at school that are also doing computer science but that are also really good at math and and they um they're actually more advanced in math than i am right now so they kind of have the um what is it, the the retrospect on what it is that i'm learning right now that uh, you know kind of how i can apply that later on um but you know what i i, I guess i just kind of decided that i'm gonna kick ass um Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. So like, either way, <laughs> I, I'm just gonna do good. Um, so I've pretty much resigned myself to at any means just just kill it. Um, and so I I don't really even think of it as like a challenge anymore. I, I just see it as kind of like an obstacle that I need to get over. Um, so you know that that pretty much involves um, realizing I'm gonna have to study for 16 hours over the weekend and and. Um, you know, just just resigning myself to do it, I guess. Um, so I don't really, I don't really feel like it's it's hard. Um, I guess I just kind of, I wish that I could be doing other things. Uh, that's the only regret I have about it. Right. Yeah, I can understand that. So, what drove you to want to want to learn Swift and do iOS development? Um. So I've I've been like a PC guy, uh, forever. Um, and I recently came into like a hand-me-down Mac. Uh, so my wife's mom had a 2011 MacBook Pro and she was pretty much done with it. She wanted something new. Um, so she gave that to me 
And I've always been a hardware guy, so pretty much immediately, like, I, I changed the old mechanical drive into, like, an SSD. I, I threw, like, 16 gigs of RAM in it, and I was like, hey, let's see what I, what this thing could do. Um, and because I'm in computer science, uh, it, you know, the first thing I thought was, okay, how can I develop, like, a Mac app? Um, and that very quickly led to iOS, because I'm, I'm not really interested in making desktop software. Um, and I have an iPhone, I have an iPad, and I've, I've thought about it, but I never really even had the, the machine to do it, because um, as far as I know, you could, you could probably make um, iOS apps with on Windows, but I think it's, it's complicated. I'm not really sure how you go about doing that. Yeah, uh, from what I was able to look at, and I, I've had a Mac for a while now, uh, but like you, I was PC for a while, and I never really got my, I got my Mac to do more multimedia type stuff. Hmm. Um, just dabbling in my free time. It wasn't anything even serious. But I had looked at, because um, my computer, my MacBook was getting old, and I remember when I was reading about Swift being available on Linux, at that time I didn't I didn't have the idea that Swift and iOS were separate, so I almost actually bought right. a new, I almost bought a new PC, and I was like, oh, cool. And then and then that's when I found out that Swift and, and the, you know, the iOS uh, SDK weren't like one in the same and i was like oh good thing i didn't do that because i was just gonna get a linux box essentially so (laughs) pretty pretty happy i didn't do that but um, so because i had started looking at um developing for ios on on a non macintosh computer and there was a lot of I don't. I don't think it's a very easy task. I think you pretty much have to make a Hackintosh. I don't know that you can actually do it on another platform. I had mm-hmm. seen people in some Discord chats. It's kind of like Slack, but for gamers. Right. Um. They had. They were talking about trying to you like trying to uh, do a VM, but it wasn't working. So. Yeah. You know what? The other thing I heard was that you could do. Um, <coughs> sorry. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Qt or Qt. It's like a, it's an IDE that you could um, make GUIs with. Uh, I, it sounds familiar. I think I maybe have come across just somebody mentioning that, but I, I'm, I don't really know what it does. Okay, so it's it's basically like Xcode. Um, I believe it it solely runs on C plus plus, but I might be wrong. Um, but with Qt, you could actually compile um, to cross platform, so you could you could make like an Android app and an iOS app uh, with the same C plus plus code. Um, okay, you you know what? I think what I may have heard was like an ad on a podcast or something. Uh, yeah. they, maybe they they had sponsored one of a show on a podcast I listened to. That sounds familiar. You know what? I don't I don't really know much about it, so sorry if I got that wrong. But that's kind of what I initially heard is that you could do something like that, but that it is difficult it's more involved because there's so many things that um that as you said ios um has completely different apis than than android would and some of them might be you know relatively similar but then some of them may not be so if you're trying to tap into multiple apis um you may end up having to rewrite code uh depending on which platform you really want to support if you want to do both um and and of course it's it's not fully integrated the same way that a Mac would be with, with iOS, Xcode, and an iPhone. Right. Well, and you know, they might, this is just complete speculation, but they might have their own um, abstractions from both of those, and then depending on what your target is, maybe the underlying, may, maybe their abstraction then points it to whatever they deem to be the equivalent, like a, like a table view in an iOS and a recycler view in Android, which is oh, right. which are very similar. That, that that's possible, that. you know. I, I don't know, but uh, you you still wouldn't be able to build and run though uh, for iOS on something right. else because it requires whatever. I, I I don't know all the ins and outs of it. Sure. So w- w- how's it going with Swift? I I know you said that you're you're more more or less uh, focused on school right now, but I'd still imagine when you get a chance, you 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 pull up Xcode and and do something. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I started a project. So I, I started mostly with tutorials and uh, I was doing like the Stanford course, uh, Big Nerd Ranch. I got the, the iOS book from Big Nerd Ranch, the Swift 2 book, which is, of course, now outdated, but I was still using it. Um, and uh, I was doing the uh, DevSlopes uh, course on Udemy with Mark Price. 
So I went through that, and I think I got through like halfway through each of those before I decided like, okay, you know what, I've had enough. I want to make something that's my own. Um, and of course, those things are not really fully functional apps anyways. Right. Um, with some exceptions. Um, so I started developing this app and it's basically like a trip planner. Um, there's some features in there that I'm not quite sure if there's anything that matches it right now in the app store, but it's mm-hmm. essentially like a trip planner for like road trips and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, that is when I do have free time, I'm, I'm on that and I'm trying to plan it. Um, actually, uh, from, I believe episode one, you had Victoria on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That. So she's actually helping me with that, um, with the, with the UX and the UI. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, um, she kind of volunteered her services, and I was I was eager to accept. Um, so, you know, between that, she's pretty much pushing me to to keep going, and and I'm thankful for that because otherwise I'd just be lazy and slack off. And, and you know, yeah, I hear you there. <laughs> um, that happens with all my projects because I end up I end up losing interest in them after a little while. Um, mostly when it gets past the fun stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. It, when it when it comes to like being nitpicky or or having to uh, tweak design or or debug it, for five hours straight. Yeah, yeah. that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of abandoned. I've probably got about 30 abandoned projects. Oh, wow. Well, I, I would say a lot of <laughs> a, a lot of them are, are um, like prototyping a function, essentially saying like. Uh, of of what I was considering to make into a whole app, like what I perceived to be the, what would have been the primary feature. Right. And then I do that and I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then it's like, then I try to build like a, build out like, you know, the whole design template or, you know, do the whole planning process of it. And then I look at it and I'm like, mm, no, no, I, <laughs> yeah. let's do something else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know if this is a problem for you, but for me, I, I have trouble trying to finish something. I, I think I've started at least four or five projects where I really thought that they could be good apps that people would actually download and, and use and, and find value from. But for me, it's it's kind of hard to finish. Um, you know, some of it is technological problems. Like, I, I don't know how to implement something, so I have to come back to it, and I usually mm-hmm. never do. Um, and then some of it is, is just not knowing whether or not I'm, I'm taking the right steps to to get to a release, um, you know, whether or not I guess it's going to be good enough. And, and I, I've heard you talking about, you know, how you're kind of a perfectionist too with, with your code and, and you want to make sure everything's perfect and, you know, you want to make sure everything's right. And I'm, I totally subscribe to that and it's probably to, to both of our detriment, but yeah, I completely agree with that statement. You know, I, I feel like you some you see some apps on the app store or whatever that you can tell that were just kind of slopped together for someone yeah. to, to for the sake of saying, oh yeah, I got an app on the app store. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a table view with like no styling or bad styling. It's, yep. You know, it's like a regular master detail and there's not much else to it. Like you can't persist anything or whatever. And it's just like, you know, I don't want that to be my app. Definitely. Um, and yeah, I you don't want to be that guy. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> this is something that I want to, I want to, I want to put this in my portfolio and, you know, whenever I do look for a job eventually as an iOS developer or whatever, and I can put that in there and be like, I made this, I'm super proud of it. And I think you would be impressed by it. Absolutely. You know, but getting to that point is, is, is pretty difficult because I think that I could, I, I, if I, if somebody gave me the stuff, like, like not, if I was given the specifications and stuff like that, I think I could put it together, but when it's doing it all by yourself, um, coming up with all the different elements of what usually takes a, 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 a decent sized team from, um, not just, you know, development, but like project managers and stuff like that. I mean, it, it takes right. a, takes a group of people to make a software project and, not only are we new to it, but we're also trying to do the same thing that people with, you know, uh, at least a you know team of five <laughs> yeah. was, is accomplishing. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I mean, I have problems with, with UX and UI and design and, and models and, and should I go MVC? Should I even look at MVVM? I think the resounding answer to that is, is no, not yet. Um, but it, it still crosses your mind because you see all of this and, and there's all this information out there and there's people saying, well, MVC is dead. 
called out Viper or MVVM, which uh, it's just like other ways of, of modeling your code and, and the structure mm-hmm. of your program. Um, and you, you doubt yourself and you second guess everything and, and you really start wondering like, is this the right way to go about doing things? And you, you start stalling and then it, it's not fun at that point because you're just like, uh, this is too hard. There's too much, too much going on. And you don't feel like you're doing anything. Right. Yeah, you could study uh, or or learn about these things for days on end, and then you come back to the project and you're like, "Well, what can I even do with this?" Right. Um, so yeah. Um, so that's all the hard stuff. <laughs> what yeah. what are you finding that's easy uh, with with your learning process? Um. So I, I guess the hard stuff is really to me it's the ambiguous stuff. It's it's the things where you have too many options. Um. The easy stuff for me is is the concrete, um, I guess you could say, syntax and semantics of Swift itself. Um, and you were talking earlier about, you know, trying to divorce Swift from iOS is nearly impossible. They're so um, integrated at this point that sometimes it is hard to um, to differentiate between what is going wrong that pertains to Swift and what's going wrong that pertains to iOS. Um, but for me, that's actually been relatively easy. Um, and, and the, I guess the concrete, the concreteness of the language itself has been easy. Um, actually that didn't really make too much sense. No, um, I, I get what you're saying. The, the working with the language isn't so much the hard part. It's, it's, you know, your tool set. Now you just don't really, you, you don't feel comfortable though, using those tools to build a structure. Right. Yep. Right. Not not the not a struct structure, but you, right. you know what I, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I guess for me the syntax comes easy. Um, knowing what goes where. You know, optionals and closures are usually a, a trouble point, and and they were for me at first. Um, but at, at this point, I'm I'm very comfortable with that. And uh, you know, all the, all the like the classes and the structs and the differences between the two, and and passing by reference, passing by value. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that has has come pretty easy at this point itself right yeah totally um so i've tried um to really uh learn two different i don't know if they would be apis or sdks but well, i guess it would be an api um so i tried av foundation which uh is audio visual uh visual foundation which is essentially like anything that you want to do with video audio um camera stuff like that goes through AV foundation and I found that to be actually surprisingly difficult um, it, it took quite a bit just to get like a, a I guess the image of the camera onto the screen like so where you could see what the camera sees um, okay that, that took a lot actually uh, so you have like a buffer and, and you have to access these low-level hardware things but then you have to um, transfer it into a buffer, and then you have that buffer, which is essentially just a bunch of pictures, like moving rapidly through this array. I don't know; it's 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 hard to even describe it. And uh-huh. and I tried that for about a month, um, and I was I was successful in getting the uh, the camera to work to where I could see it on the screen, but I I couldn't really do much with it after that. Like trying to capture even a single image was was difficult. Um, just to try and figure that out. And I'm not sure if, if that was just me being naive to iOS in general, if that was just because the syntax was, was pretty heavy or the framework itself um, took a lot of like deep diving just to figure it out. Um, well, I, I do know that whenever you, whenever you look at the, um, like if it's like you've got like UI kit and that's pretty high level, but as you kind of, you go down to like foundation and that's one layer, like pretty much beneath the kit level. And then you go down to right. the core level. So that yeah. probably has a bit to do with it because you're messing around with, um, stuff that higher level, um, frameworks are actually dealing with. So you're, you're pretty much making your own calls to that level. And then AV foundation is making its calls down to, I, I forget, I know there's core audio. I don't know if it, there's like, I don't know what, core video i think is uh, yeah i don't know if yeah. there's a core video i i, I do know there's a core uh, yeah. core audio though <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah i could that, that may be uh, i don't know that there is I, I know that ar kit has like a you know very easy and quick way to get into the camera um 
So I, I've read something about this. I don't know if it was on Twitter. I saw someone's blog or something like that. But it was essentially like a quicker way to get the camera to function. Um, so you don't have to worry about the, the low-level details. I'm not sure if there's another uh, kit, so to speak, out there that, that will allow you access to the camera. As far as I'm aware, um, anything outside of AR kit, you have to actually dive down into that foundation level. So I could have swore there was an AV kit. Hold on. I'm going to Google this. I could be completely wrong, but I could have swore. AV kit might be completely useless, and that's why nobody uses <laughs> yeah. it. But I'm going to Apple. Let's see. AV kit, Apple developer documentation. Let's see, create view level services for media playback, complete with user controls, chapter now. Okay, so this is for media playback. This right. isn't for camera stuff. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't know. It says AV capture view is a subclass of NS view that can be used to display standard user interface controls for capturing media data. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You might look at that, I'm <clears throat> but it looks like it could be more for for displaying right for displaying uh audio and video not not a yeah provides a high level interface for playing video content so there we go <laughs> yeah so yeah i i was right about there being an av kit i was wrong about what i thought it was supposed to do <laughs> so yeah uh, that's pretty much the story of my life <laughs> trying to figure out the right thing um the other the other API I've worked with was uh, MapKit and Core Location, which was um, I think a lot more intuitive than than AV Foundation was, and that may not come as a, as a surprise to some people, but um, it was relatively easy to wrap my head around uh, what you have to do in order to get the map on the screen. Which actually, you just drag a map view into your view controller, and, and you're set. You have a map on your screen, mm -hmm. um, so that's already a, a, a big hurdle. <laughs> just like taking care of really quickly right and then the rest of it is just like setting up the delegates and uh, requesting location and you know i think you have to update your p list in order to um uh, let the i guess the app store and the user know that you're going to be requesting location right yep so so that was that was pretty intuitive um that was that was relatively easy to get into um, and I'm using that for my um, for that road trip app that I was telling you about. So it was, it was a pretty key feature to have on there. Um, so oh, I was pretty happy about that. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely imagine you you would need yeah. location for a road trip <laughs> yeah. app. Um, I, yeah, I messed around with uh, MapKit and uh, Core Location a little bit before. Uh, only dabbled here and there. Uh, what I think I did one tutorial on it, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, and played around with it a little bit more. Uh, but didn't really do much outside of that. Oh yeah. But but yeah, it it it's easy enough to get up and running and doing something at least simple. I haven't. Yeah. Like I haven't. Like I said, I haven't done anything. Tried to do anything crazy with it. But as far as getting up and running for one a framework that's actually pretty important. That's that's pretty awesome that it's that it can be pretty easy. Yeah, definitely. I think um I think what Apple is doing right now is is um is pretty great. They're they're putting all this high level stuff out there that makes a very complicated technology relatively easy to use and to access and to implement. Like um, ARKit honestly is is uh, probably the best example. I mean, there's so much uh, complicated detail that goes on in order to get this you know, to, to detect the surfaces and, and to keep track of everything. And you have to integrate all these different hardware sensors and camera and, and stuff like that. And I don't know if you've uh, followed any of the tutorials, but it's it's relatively easy to set it up and to get something going pretty quickly. Um, and and I, I definitely like that Apple's doing that, um, pushing these these um, very complicated technologies in a way that, that makes it accessible to, to beginners. Um, so that way you could feel like you're taking part in and um you know i guess the innovative technology and and you know it's it's not going to discriminate against you being new to the whole thing right yeah that that makes sense i mean you, you you've got the underlying technology that you are wanting to use and then adapt that to your use case essentially which is which is pretty cool i actually haven't messed with ar kit at all um i, I yeah it's pretty i just the the biggest reason why is that I don't see a use for it in my projects that right. I'm wanting to do as of yet. I, I actually do have one idea that I might use it for, but it would be more of a 
like a like a minor update type of thing that's kind of fun to do but not yeah. really uh imperative to the app itself yeah um but i have seen some pretty I, i've been following what people have been making though and i've seen some pretty cool stuff yeah there's definitely some really cool stuff out there i think it's it's still trying to find its place uh, amongst you know the the apps in the app store and, and you know i think a lot of people are leaning toward games uh, just because it's it's very much a, a game of uh, graphics and and um usually you're you're trying to have fun with stuff like that uh it, i don't really see very many um i guess like like productivity uses or, or things like that like enterprise software i can't really see much of that being made with ar kit but definitely with the games and uh, maybe some cool utilities and stuff like that um i could see how it, it it could be integrated pretty well yeah i could see i could see apparel using that for uh for like online shopping or whatever oh, like yeah. in a shopping app or something like that try it on i've been waiting for that for a couple of years yeah <laughs> yeah and then I, I i think that um i think do you ever listen to john gruber's podcast uh the talk show uh no i don't he, yeah he he runs the blog daring fireball he, a, apple apple product news for the most part um and just like reviews in general um but apparently the, he had a he, he had a sponsor on there and they it was for eyeglasses and they had something where you could you know try your eyeglasses on before you bought them essentially you know with your phone or I, maybe oh, it was you know with a webcam or something like that but i bet you know i bet it didn't look as good as what they can do now yeah kind of like with snapchat or whatever how they were showing with the um with the face mapping camera on the on the on the iphone 10 right yeah that's that's going to be great actually yeah. i'm i'm really excited for that i i have um some pretty good ideas on how to use the uh the the face sensors and the face id in order to do some some cool things actually i was thinking of um making an app for people with facial paralysis in order to try and help them recover muscle strength um but that's a long ways out that's just huh. an idea at this point yeah well, that's a, well cool idea <laughs> for sure yeah um you heard yeah, it I here first <laughs> yeah right <laughs> don't steal my idea right um, <laughs> Uh, actually, back to what you were saying, I, I think Derek with the uh, Swift Coders podcast was interviewing someone who worked at the company that is um, that sells the glasses um, and and does the computer vision in order to show you what it would look like on your face. Oh, I don't know. Uh, how long ago was that? Uh, I think I, I heard that episode about a month ago. Really? Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. We have to... I'd have to go back. I, I don't I don't remember. Yeah. Well, I, at any rate, I, I, I just thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. So what what do you like most about Swift and iOS development? Um You know what, honestly, uh, I think most people would agree with me on this. It's it's really the community. I mean, you could you could program for any platform in any language and and I don't think you'll come close to the experience that you get when you uh when you participate in the community like you do with with Swift and iOS. Uh it's it's been very receptive and and I came into this being really new and and it's it's quite intimidating at first, especially if you're uh I've been to meetups for instance um of C++ developers or you know like a data structures and algorithms meetup and it's it's very intimidating and when you're there it's it's almost like a contest over you know who's smarter. Um and of course, you have people that have been doing it for twenty, thirty years that, hands down, are just way better at it than you are. Um, with with Swift and iOS, uh, the community is just so receptive uh, to new people, um, and and everyone seems just willing to help, and and you never really feel alone um, when you're doing this. So that that's pretty much been the best part about it for me. Um, so you're you're part of the uh the Swift Coders network, right? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Um so uh some of the listeners may know that, you know, we have the meetups, so the the Learn Swift LA and the Swift Coders LA and stuff like that. Um so I actually was at a uh Learn Swift LA meetup a few weeks ago with um 
with Stephen Burrard, who's the host of the uh, the Fireside Swift show. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I I asked him if I could do like a quick session, um, you know, to explain some things, and he he agreed hands down and let me take the floor for about 10, 15 minutes. And everyone was really receptive. And I was honestly, I was, I was frightened. I, I am not good uh, with public speaking with uh, even, even with just a small crowd of people. I'm, I'm not good at expressing my ideas and, and talking about things. And especially with uh, something I'm pretty new to, uh, you know, imposter syndrome and all that. Um, I was scared, but at the end of it all, everyone said, you know, you did a great job. It, it was great. Um, of course, I, I slipped up a few times, but that didn't really matter to, to anybody there. Um, it, was, it was all just about the support, and, and everyone knew that I was trying my best, and, and I tried to learn what I was talking about ahead of time and, and put together a good talk, and, and everyone was supportive of that. So to me, it's, it's just been nothing but great feelings between the community and, and, uh, and the people. That's awesome. What'd you do your What'd you do your little talk on? Um, so it's something I had uh, I saw in the Stanford course uh, as part of the required reading for the class, and it was it was basically like the um, the API guidelines. Uh, so if you go to Apple, they have uh, Swift API guidelines, which is basically telling you how to structure your code and how to name your variables and stuff like that. And and a part of that is actually documenting within Xcode. And how to use uh, a markup language in order to um, to get your comments to display in the quick help menu. Um, okay. So you have like the sidebar, which has like the little question mark with the circle around it, and that's quick help. And if you if you click on like a UI view controller or any kind of um, Apple based API or classes or stuff like that, even variables, uh, you get quick help. And if you do like I think it's like options click. You get like a pop up with the quick help and all the all the details and stuff like that, and so that's all implemented through a, a markup language, and you can you can recreate that for your own variables, your own classes, and, and anything else, any kind of symbol within Xcode. Um, so I did a, a very quick ten minute thing on it. Uh, there wasn't really much to it. Uh, I just wanted to kind of give it some exposure and and test the waters and, and see how I would do. Uh, you know, kind of talking in front of a, a room full of people. Yeah, maybe I should look at that. <laughs> I don't, uh, I, I've, I've been told it, it, that the Stanford courses are good and that um, I should check them out. I haven't gotten around to it. Um, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm going to look into that, though, because um, I imagine it's like the inline documentation that, that's right. done, right? Yep. Okay, yeah, I need to look at that. Um, kind of help me out. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's cool. I, I think you might find more utility in it if you are part of a team. Um, you know, of course, you being the, the programmer who's developing the app pretty much already knows everything that's going on, and I don't think you really will need the quick help. But definitely if you have a team of, of say, two or more people, uh, you know, I think most people, once they learn about option click and quick help, uh, it becomes a very indispensable tool for you to find out what you're doing and, and the things that you're implementing, how, how do they work, and, you know, what does the developer who created them have to say about it? Um, so I think that becomes a very um, natural way of people trying to explore the code that they're working with and the APIs that they're working with. And, and so if you are able to support that, it makes it all the more easy uh, for you and your team to, to work together and collaborate. You know, that's true about being the only developer, but I don't, have you, have you gone back and tried to jump on a project that you abandoned a few months prior <laughs> and then you realized... I what what was I doing here? <laughs> so oh, the shame. I, yeah, the <laughs> yeah. shame and like you know, not even understanding what's going on because there's nothing, nothing documented. So right. I've I've run into that on a couple things and yeah, I, that's I've, a good point. And I mean, regular comments could could also take care of that, but I think option clicking would 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 really just make the whole experience a lot better. Oh, it's so much more satisfying. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Did did I already ask you what you dislike about? Let, let's 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 um, go back because I don't think I did. No. What what do you dislike about Swift and iOS development? Um, you know what? There's there's not a whole lot to really dislike. Uh, you know, I, I think for the most part, uh, I think we accept that it is what it is, and and we just kind of <laughs> get over anything that we don't like about it. But um, 
specifically I don't, I don't really have any dislikes uh to be honest it, it's all fairly straightforward and of course I guess the one thing is that um Swift has been changing rapidly and I wasn't really around in order to witness the change between Swift 2 and Swift 3 but I heard that was a, a big conundrum for a lot of people mm-hmm. um and then I I did witness Swift 3 to Swift 4 which of course just happened I think about a month ago when the iPhone X or the iPhone 10 was uh was announced and um it did break some of my code so i had to go and fix all that uh i think i had i don't know about 10 10 to 15 warnings or errors when i when i try to compile um but you know that that has to be expected when you're especially when you're working with a new language and things are changing rapidly and you have this like one year release schedule i think that's just bound to happen um, right what what so did you have that uh what did you have that broke were they I yellow? Were they yellow errors or red errors? I think I had um, maybe fifty-fifty. I, I think okay. uh, there was some closures that were changed. Um, so they were, you know, named uh, uh, named parameters and stuff like that that were either no longer named or they just had become a part of the function. So the I don't know if it was a verb or oh, okay. the noun had become part of the actual function name, and then the uh, the named parameter was no longer named. Okay. So just things like that. I, you know, usually Xcode helps you out with that. I, I think there was a few other things that I was really I was experimenting with to begin with, so I didn't I didn't really plan on keeping it in the code. Um, but it nevertheless it made me curious as to what what had changed and why did it why did it turn red or yellow. Um, but uh, you know, just growing pains with the language, I think. Yeah. One one of the things that I the only the only thing that I really ran into was um whenever you assign a a function uh to a button with using the selector when you do hashtag selector and then oh, yeah, you do selector. the open for yeah now you have to as, you have to explicitly assign that function uh you have to write the add ob c before right. fun- yeah that's the only thing that I've really run into <laughs> but yeah and I and apparently that was happening under the hood anyway, which I didn't even know. So that's that's it's also good. good to know. Yeah, that that well apparently uh, I think they mentioned that on the I don't even remember the name of the podcast. I listen to it every every <laughs> every week. The one with Jesse Squires. Um, it's oh, like the Swift uh, Weekly Swift Brief. Unwrapped? Swift Unwrapped. That's yeah, the one. That's yeah, they were, they were talking about that on Swift Unwrapped, and they said that, that that was happening under the hood. So is it is it just that they wanted it to be more explicit now? Or? Uh, I don't I don't really remember what they said the reasoning was, and I don't know that there there may have not been given some reasoning. Um, maybe that maybe that in making that logic hidden under the hood was really adding unnecessary complexity oh, um, to like any precompiler checks. Yeah. And I'm assuming that's when that would be happening. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't really know, but yeah, it kind of, it kind of threw me off guard though. I was like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Why would I want to expose this <laughs> yeah. to Objective C? I don't have any Objective C right. in my code. Uh, who's but, writing uh, Objective C? Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. it probably has something to do with the underlying, underlying framework, uh, actually being written in Objective C. More than likely. Yeah. You right. Know, now We're that just you using Objective C. Uh, I, I, I guess we could get back to um, some of the things that I'm finding hard. It's actually trying to, trying to, I don't know, reconcile between Swift and Objective C. And, and, you know, a lot of the libraries out there, a lot of the good libraries that are, that are recommended, um, uh, you know, like the third party APIs and stuff like that, they're written in Objective C. And, and I have no idea what I'm doing with Objective C. So, Trying to go from from an API and and translate it into something I could call it it's just been really hard trying to figure that out. I kind of gave it up because yeah, I, I I was in the same boat. I just never touched anything with Objective C. Like mo- you know, a lot apparently it's not that difficult to have it. Like like whenever you're building a framework or something, and this is only something that I heard on another podcast, <laughs> so don't don't quote me on it, but. Uh, there's apparently something that you can do that'll it'll automatically um, provide like a Swift 
uh, wrapper or whatever for your Objective C framework. Because that's really still like if you're gonna if you want to make a framework that you want to be usable across a lot of a lot of other code bases or whatever. I mean, Objective C is still the most stable. So, but then again, I'm not gonna learn Objective C just because I want to write a (laughs) right write a framework. The only reason why I would start learning Objective C is when I'm trying to get job ready. Yeah, I think. Do you think? do you personally think that it's important? Well, I'm not sure. Do you think it's important to know Objective-C if you're trying to be job-ready as an iOS developer? I think it really depends on your area um, and where you're trying to get a job at. Um, I've noticed in my area, whenever I see any postings for for iOS developers, I'm seeing a mix. Uh, sometimes they'll say Swift or Objective-C, uh, very few times have I seen, you know, only mentioning Swift and not mentioning Objective-C. And okay. then I've seen, like, another hand, you know, another portion of them just saying Objective-C, not even mentioning Swift at all. Oh, wow. I, you know, I, I maybe imagine that every area is different, though. Depends. Because I think a lot of the companies that are posting around here are, like, consultancies. Um, mm. And then... I don't know that there's a lot of like staff iOS developer work around here. There's, there's a few tech companies in the area. Uh, Verizon has a headquarters here and then there's a handful of other telecom companies that have major offices and whatnot around here. Hmm. But other than that though, I mean, there's nothing too crazy going on around here in the Dallas area, but being in California, I'd imagine that there's a whole lot of people open to, you know, the bleeding edge of technology. Oh, sure. Yeah, there's there's plenty of competition out here for jobs. So it's there's a lot of listings and stuff like that. But it's, you know, you, you kind of feel intimidated by the requirements. Uh, you know, there's a joke that uh, people are requiring 10 years of Swift experience, which, of course, <laughs> it's, it's not possible. Um, right. But that, that could be pretty intimidating um, looking at that. And, you know, they're, they're saying, well, you do need Objective-C experience. You need Swift experience. You need experience working on a, like an agile team or, or even just working on an app in general. Or you need to have at least three apps in the app store. And, and these are all pretty disheartening things when, when, you, um, when you really want it. You know, and I, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are really passionate about it and they really want it. And they're working hard on it. On, um, becoming an iOS developer, but they see these these hurdles or these potential roadblocks and, and they just, you know, they become disheartened. And, and to me, that's, that's been a bit of a struggle too. Um, you know, I, I, I try or I like to believe that I'm, I'm kind of a smart guy, but, uh, you know, looking at some of these requirements, I just feel completely out of my league um, in a lot of cases. Yeah, I totally, I definitely understand how you feel. Um, every time I look at it, it's like, you know, first time, hopeful and I think about it and I'm like oh yeah you know what you know I just feel like once I can you know essentially prove myself out there then I'll be able to land something and then like you know I I have I have LinkedIn job alerts and I also have a Google jobs alert that that kind of just pings me for anything in the area and every time I look at it it just kind of like hits at my hits at my (laughs) self-confidence a little (laughs) little bit more but on the on the same note I've never applied for a job that I felt like I was qualified for anyway, so why would I treat this any different? Mm. And whether or not somebody comes back at me, you know, that's that's their loss. You know? Yeah. I, I know how dedicated I would be to uh, doing that. I mean, for crying out, like, I, I'm not a morning person. I've mentioned this a couple times on the show, but I get up at 4 o'clock every morning so I can so I can dedicate two hours of my day to coding and Swift and doing iOS stuff. Wow. I have, yeah, I can't, I can't, that's incredible yeah i'm I'm not not a morning person and when it gets later in the week i'm sometimes i fail to wake up just because i'm so exhausted (laughs) but um because i usually i i don't go to bed any or any earlier right (laughs) i still go to bed around like 10 11 o'clock so but yeah i've so i know that i think that I think that a lot of the times you see job postings like this and maybe in California there's, you know, there's more iOS developers per capita, but I have a hard time believing in, in my area that's not very tech oriented 
with uh, there's more manufacturing around here than there is anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a hard time believing that there's there's enough iOS developers around here that are qualified that fit the bill for those. You know, when I say qualified, I mean quote unquote qualified to their yeah. to their uh, specifications that you know that they're that they're gonna hire. I mean, who who knows? Maybe maybe there are, but you know, it's there's there's not much of a there's not much of a meetup scene. Uh, the only the only meetup scene is in like the north north uh, east side of the city, which is like an hour and a half away from my house, driving mm-hmm. distance with no with no traffic. No traffic. Yeah, yeah, no traffic. It's an hour <laughs> and a half. So if I was to go there, if I was to go, so I work in the northwest side of Dallas. So to drive there after work would probably take me forty five to minutes to an hour. But then where I live from there would then be an hour and a half back home. Oh God. So, yeah. So yeah. if like the meetups over at nine, I get home at 1030 and then, yeah. Uh, it, and then, yeah. So there was one that was closer. It was like five minutes from my work, but they met once and then they haven't had another meetup since. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've been debating on whether or not to start my own, but I don't think that I have the time to dedicate to that. Yeah. I, I don't think. Maybe when maybe when I have some maybe when I'm not commuting an hour to an hour and a half every day back and forth from work, then I could have a little extra time dedicated to that. But I, I don't I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Mm. So I just babbled for a while um, and we're starting to run up on time. Is there anything that you want to talk about before we call it quits tonight? Uh, no, I don't think so. So hey Rob, if people want to reach you, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, so my, I guess Twitter would be the best way, and my handle is at the Rob Royce. So T H E R O B R O Y C E. I'm sure you'll leave it in the show notes. Uh, it's pretty much the best way, unless you're on Slack at the Swift Coder Slack. Um, you could find me in there too. Awesome. Well, hey man, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that concludes this episode of the Learn Swift podcast. I hope our discussion left you feeling inspired and that you're not alone. If you enjoyed the show, please consider telling a friend, recommending the show on Overcast, or leaving a review on iTunes. If you want to be on the show or say hello, you can reach me on Twitter at Stephen underscore 0351. Thanks, and see you next time.